right. Well, technically, our next guest, uh, Rob Thompson, became the first Canadian to manage a major league game since George Gibson managed the Pittsburgh Pirates in 1934. This was in 2008 when Joe Girardi, uh, who was managing the New York Yankees, uh, developed a respiratory infection and uh, designated Rob Thompson to manage that night's game against the Tampa Bay Rays. Rob Thompson is a member of the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, he has done just about every job you can do in the game. He is now managing the Philadelphia Phillies, taking over from Joe Girardi. And uh, to say he's done a decent job would be an understatement. Mm -hmm. The Phillies are 24-12. and They're very much back in the picture. And uh, from talking to people around the team, you get the sense that whatever distractions were being created by the uncertainty surrounding the manager's position that in, in... naming Rob Thompson as, as Joe's, uh, Joe's replacement. The, uh, well, the desired effect has been, has been felt in the clubhouse. It's been felt in the front office, and we're very pleased to be joined by Rob Thompson. Rob, thank you very much for doing this. Uh, welcome home. I know that... Now, you were born in Sarnia, but did, you, grew, you grew up in... Is it Karuna, I believe, or... Uh... Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Yeah, it's great that great to be on, guys. Thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah, I grew up in Corona, Ontario, Corona, right. which is just just outside of Sarnia. Corona's a town of two thousand people, but um, uh, I played up until Pee Wee. Uh, played in Corona, and then I I moved to Sarnia, which is a little bigger, mm. bigger center, better better um, better leagues that you play in. And uh, from Bantam through Midget, I was playing in Sarnia. Yeah. Uh- when you took over from Joe, what was your first priority? You know, like, what did, what did David Dombrowski, the, the Phillies, the president of baseball ops, what did he tell you? What was your first priority taking over? Well, I think the, I think the first thing is to, to, you know, get a relationship with all the players, a, a kind of a newer relationship. Because when you're the bench coach, you're kind of, um, you're more involved in game strategy and watching video and, and you get your head behind a, a computer screen a lot of times watching bunt plays and, you know, who runs and who, who delays steal, all that stuff. Whereas when you're the manager, you know, you're, you're front and center in front of, in front of the player. So I had to get out in the clubhouse, um, get better relationships with the players so that, so that we can gain trust amongst each other. And that was, that was my number one priority. And, and, to trust the coaches with their information so that we can make, you know, proper decisions. So Rob, is it? Um, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I was no. just, I was just going to ask the human side of this. You know, you're the sort of the first person we've ever had on mid season. That's had to take over for Joe Girardi or, or any manager and just the human side of, you know, that's your, that's your friend. And, and now you're sort of trying to take over you. I guess you learned a little bit from him, but you're trying to take little pieces of that. And Oh, by the way, the Phillies need to win a bunch of games. Did you have to go through a little bit of the, the human part of it and take a step back? I know you mentioned you had to get some relationships with the players, which is a big deal, but that human part, of separating, okay, let's not be in too big of a hurry. I know it's about winning. Did you go through a little bit of that? Yeah, it, it was tough at the beginning because, especially the day that the whole thing happened, because Joe and I spent so many years together. It was 10, 11, 12 years, whatever it is, together. Um, you know, World Series championship, uh, playoff games, um, the highs, the highest of highs in, 
and some of the lowest of lows. And we've grinded on this thing together. And, and my job as the bench coach for Joe was to take care of Joe, make sure that, you know, he had all the information and he was going to be able to make a sound decision every night. And so when my buddy, uh, the guy that I'd been taking care of or helping take care of for a long time gets let go, I, I feel somewhat responsible for that. So that was a difficult time because, you know, we are, there, there's a bond there that will never be broken between Joe and I. But uh, at the same time, we had to move on because they're not going to cancel any games mm-hmm. and they're not going to push back the schedule. So we had to hit the ground running, really, and, um, and get going and start these relationships, start talking about how we're going to use the bullpen, how we're going to change the lineup or keep the lineup or how we're going to uh, deal with players and situations. And, um, and, and thankfully, the, the players responded, and we, we went on a, a really good run there at the start. And, and we've been playing really good baseball for, for a while now, and, and we've gotten back into, into the hunt. And, um, you know, we're, we're really excited about where we're at. Rob, you've had a chance to manage on some really successful teams with some of the, you know, some, some of the, some of the most successful managers of, of our time. You've been in successful organizations. Is there a common, is there a common element to what makes a successful baseball team? Yeah, I think, I think talent, number one. Um, if you don't have talent, you're, you're going to have a tough time. But, but those guys, those talented guys still have to prepare. They still have to compete every day. And I think you have to have a certain amount of leadership in your clubhouse, not only from your, your manager and your coaching staff, but, but the, the players inside that room, there's got to be some leadership in there. And that's kind of been the common traits, I guess, that of the, of the really good teams that I've been involved with. And I think we have that here uh, right now. We're going through some injury problems, but a lot of, a lot of teams are, um, and we just have to move on. Next guy, you know, next man up and people have to step up and, um, and that's been kind of what's happening with us uh, this year. And so it's a good thing, but, uh, we do have a lot of those traits and, and, um, you know, we're, we're playing good baseball and we're, we're going to keep moving forward. And, and we've got a tough test here in Toronto. This is a pretty good club that, that you've got here and, and, uh, um, you know, we're looking to come in here and play some good baseball. Rob, you've had a front row seat with Kyle Schwarber uh, hitting all the home runs. And and I, why I want to ask you this question is I, I used to be a guy, and I was, I, I was I always joke around with Jeff to say, and I was the best 5 o'clock hitter in baseball. I joked just because I didn't get a ton of playing time, but I tried to impress in batting practice. I just remember how hard it was to hit home runs in batting practice. And you watch Kyle do the things he does you know, I, I want to say he's a streaky home run hitter, but you watch him put like back to back months together. You know the way he did it in Red Sox land, and now he's doing it with you guys. Well, why? What allows him to do that at the plate? The things that he does that are so special. Well, first of all, he works extremely hard. I mean, um, he's out for early. We're not taking early hitting today, but uh, we'll just take our regular BP. But. We have uh, early hitting almost every day, and almost every day he's out there. He's working. But his, his bat speed and his reaction time is so incredible. And, you know, he can use the field. He can hit the ball out of any part of the ballpark. He just he doesn't have to just pull the ball. Um, he's, 
it's really been exciting to watch this guy. And I know he did it in Washington and, and uh, in Boston last year, but to, to have a front row seat and to see this on a daily basis is just incredible. It really is. And he, and Schwab is, is, he's one of those leader type guys that I talk about, you know, the traits of winning ball club. He's one of those guys in the clubhouse that uh, um, has great leadership skills too. It's, it's been, it's been really fun to watch, no doubt. Now, Rob, we've we've mentioned that you'll be without some players as a result of the uh, Canadian border restrictions on unvaccinated travelers. J.T. Realmuto, Aaron Nola, Kyle Gibson, Alec Bohm, I believe, is a dislocated uh, finger, so I don't know what his status would be. But how much of a challenge has how much of a challenge was the couple of days leading up to this trip for you in terms of trying to manage that situation in the clubhouse? Um, I don't. I don't see it as, as much of a challenge. I mean, you know, we have roster moves all the time with injuries and call-ups and send-outs. And, and um, you know, we've had a fair bit of that this year. So we're, we're kind of used to, to moving pieces around. Um, now, missing those four guys, you know, that's a talented group. But, you know, I have a lot of confidence in the people that are, are in the room and the people that are coming up to help us. So, uh, you know, we again, it's it's things that uh, are out of our control, and, and we just got to move forward and and uh, put put the best nine out there and, and go get them. Uh, with uh, we just mentioned Kyle Schwarber about the the home runs. Uh, Nick Castellanos was brought over to the Phillies to do some things offensively. Now, you know, he's been okay driving in runs. He's probably on pace for eighty plus RBIs, which is a good deal, middle of the order bad. It's the home runs. You know, he hits. I think he hit 34 last year. Now, the home runs is very streaky. You know that, Rob. But is there anything yep. you as a manager can do with a guy that is supposed to come in and hit a bunch of, you know, put up crooked numbers, quite frankly, doing it via the home run? Is there anything you can do as a manager to help that along, to you know, to quicken up the process maybe? Yeah, I think I think the biggest thing is, is just to support him, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, him and Kevin Long, our hitting coach, they – they're doing a lot of work and they're trying to do some things to get them back to getting the ball up in the air and, and uh, you know, getting a stroke back and letting the ball get deep so he can use the field because that's what he does best. And he's got power at all fields. But, and I think the power will come. But as far as the manager's concerned, you know, we could move him around uh, the lineups, put him, put him down, take pressure off. But I don't see on a daily basis, um, you know, uh, Cassie's really a, a poised guy and, and uh, really calm. And I, I don't see any tension. I don't see any pressure he's putting on himself. I just see a guy that doesn't have a swing yet, but I expect him to get this swing. And, and uh, I expect by the end of the year, we're going to, we're going to see those power numbers again. You, you mentioned moving, moving certain guys around in the order and in your past experience, because we talk about that, about the blue Jays here, they are very right-handed and we're wondering if Charlie Montoya, the manager could do some things, moving some guys around and in past experiences that you had in, in locker rooms and, and just having guys take off. Has that worked? Is that a thing? Like does, is that actually help? Uh, by by moving people around, yeah, like like around. like key guys, like Castellanos, a key guy for you, like you know a Bo Bichette here, a Vladimir Guerrero Jr., yeah. you know a, a Alejandro Kirk, like moving them around, key guys in the middle of the order, maybe flip flopping, sort of like what the Red Sox did. And Alex Cora moved their big three around and put Devers hitting in the two spot, Martinez in the three spot, Bogarts in the four spot, and they've sort of taken off. Does that actually a lot of the times help? 
I think sometimes I, I think, but if, if you're scoring runs, most of the time when a ball player is coming to the ballpark, he likes to know that he's every day he's going to be leading off or mm-hmm. he's going to be hitting third or he's going to be hitting fourth. They just feel comfortable and, and they know the people that are going to be around them too. So they can feed off of each other. So I think if you're scoring runs, if you're being successful, um, getting on, getting a lot of base runners on, um, I think you, for me, in my past experience, you, you just leave it alone and don't outthink it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if you're struggling to score runs, then, then there might be a time when you, when you need, need to move it around, shake it up a little bit, um, just, to try and, just to try and create something. Uh, last question, Rob, before we let you run, just, just about your career, because doing some reading on you, I mean, I mentioned you had a, you know, you, you had a long career, uh, minor league, you know, as a, as a coach. And I mean, you were been a field coordinator at, at what point did you decide that you were going to have a baseball career and, and sort of let it go where it was going to go? And was there somebody that was really instrumental in maybe giving you that first big break that, that got you on the, the radar screen for, for major league staffs? Yeah, well, you know, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't exactly a very good player. Um, so I was a catcher in the minor leagues and, and I was on the double A roster during spring training and they moved me down to an A ball roster and I'd just gotten married. And, and so I decided that this is probably it for me. So I went and talked to the farm director, Joe McDonald. And, um, he said, well, I'd like to keep you on as a coach. And, and so then I had to talk to my wife and she said, you need to do what, what takes you, what's passionate for you. And so I decided to start coaching and, and that's, that was really what it came down to. And, and then, you know, I just, I worked extremely hard and I, I fell into the, some, the right spots at times and, and met the right people and got to learn a, a great deal. And, and then I went to the Yankees and I got to know Joe Torrey after being a field coordinator and, and Joe brought me to the, to the big leagues as kind of the, the major league field coordinator. And that's, that's kind of how it all started. It's a long story that that's the short, you know, the short end of it. But I've been very fortunate. I can tell you that. And I've, I've, it seems like, uh, you know, I've been in the right spot at the right time. And, and uh, that's all part of it too. But I've worked extremely hard. And, um, you know, I've, I've been around a lot of successful people and learned a lot. So it's been great. It's been a great career. And I've, I've loved every minute of it. Rob, listen, we really appreciate you joining us today. Again, welcome home, mm-hmm. and uh, we wish you an awful lot of success. Thanks for this. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Anytime. All right. That's Rob Thompson, manager of the Philadelphia Phillies Canadian Baseball Hall of Famer. And he does kind of undersell his career because I do believe he still holds the school record for uh, – I'm going to take a look. I do believe he still holds a University of Kansas school record. Still has a couple of uh, – School records there. So let's, let me just see here. Let me just see. University of Kansas. He still holds the school record for the highest single season batting average. Nice. With what the Jayhawks. It? What was it? Doesn't say. 400? I don't know. 380. You still hold the triples record. No, I do don't not. You, I, think, that, I think he took or it. The dude took it this year, right? Yeah, no, he took it. Do you, uh, do you know, have you ever met the, the kid? I, I have not, no. Okay. No. All right. I've I've tried to follow along with his career a little bit and and you know it's the the Hokies are heading the right direction.
When, when now, I, they had a good when, run when, in the when, when tournament, our, right? Well, they did. They, they got beat by Oklahoma, which lost in the championship series, I believe. So, you know, they, they can hold that. And then now they're going to have a, a top 10 pick, hopefully, which is a big deal. And if you're recruiting for the Hokies, and they got a new stadium, which is a big deal. I think once, once you're a baseball team at a college and you start getting new stadiums, it's bigger and you, you can get more fans there. You get more eyeballs. More to the alumni TV getting so I absolutely want to throw more money at your team. Yep. And then you can get better recruits by saying that we're going to have a top 10 pick going in the first round, which is a big deal. We know when I was there, it was you, – you You had to do some things. Like you were – you know, Chuck Hartman was my coach, and, and I can remember the first time I got there, and he could tell, you know, that you know, I, got a, I got a pretty good scholarship to be a pitcher, and I never pitched there because he saw me offensively and how far I could hit the ball. And I, was, I can remember having early conversations about, you're going to have to do special things here. We don't, we don't have a lot of people watching. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. It's, it's not, and I always wanted to go ever since I was a little kid. I wanted to go. I wanted to be a Hokie. No matter what, my you know, Florida State showed some interest to me. I didn't want to go there. I wanted to be a Hokie. And I just, Chuck Hartman was a big, it's like my second father, sort of got me through mm-hmm. certain things. But him being honest and saying, you got to get it down and get it singing for people to actually show up and for them to actually have a ton of scouts. I can remember certain times there was more scouts there than fans. And that's a big deal to me. I, I took pride in that because of how hard I worked and what I was doing as a as a college baseball player. And it's just a, it's a, those records there. It's, you know, I, I know players and, and people like me that talk about the game now move on, but just being able to do things that will get you to where you ultimately want to be in life is, is a cool thing. And there's still something, there's still something cool about holding a school record. Like after all those years, just kind of, you know, being able to look and go. Oh. It is too, but it, it is also you, when you hold the record as long as, as some people hold their records and then it's, it's broken. That's a cool thing too. Like you're passing the baton a little bit and you're, you know, because you, you know that how hard it took to get that record. You can understand what it you exactly. You sure can. So an actual person breaking that record a, is a cool thing. But, but Rob, the Nick Castellanos thing is, is a Castellanos is a interesting thing when a guy comes off of hitting 30-plus homers to, to having eight. And I think initially at, at the start of the year, we were everybody was talking about the baseball, and, and we were all saying, okay, some of these numbers, let's, let's just step back a bit mm-hmm. and let's just kind of hang on before. But, yeah, eight is eight. It is eight. It's like hitting 200. And I, and I have to admit. There's only so many ways you can spin hitting 200. I love 200, 200. Love him as a player. I really do. Yeah, I, 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 I think he's one of those players that has to do well for fans to draw, be drawn to him. I think he's one of those guys. I'm not real sure what he's – if he's not like hitting – like he with the Reds, I think he hit 34 homers, yeah. which got him the deal that he's gotten with the Phillies. You, you got He's got to do something. Like he's not a standout player. Like, you know, when he's doing well and he's got attitude in that division with the Reds, you know, where he's sliding in, he's got attitude with, with pitchers and he's got his shirt unbuttoned. He's not wearing an undershirt. Like you got to drop 30 yeah. to be able to do that and have a little attitude. But when you're in Philly land and you're dropping eight – it's, still, a little, it's a little, you know, it's a, this just doesn't have its luster. So hopefully for, for Phillies fans, because with no Bryce Harper, somebody's got to raise their hand and say, jump on boys. Yeah. I got to help you. Now having Zach Wheeler and, and sounds like the last couple of starts that he's had against St. Louis, he's dominated St. Louis. You know, I think he's been seven in. He's not giving up a run, two starts in a row against St. Louis. Like he's got some stuff. And I get back to this Jays lineup, heavily right-handed dominant. You face good pitching. You can't chase it's, close pitches. You got to force them on the plate, and that's the thing here is the consistent not chasing pitchers' pitches. 
It's interesting about Castellanos, by the way. 2017 with Detroit, 26 home runs. 2018, 23 home runs. 2019, he gets uh, traded over to the Chicago Cubs, 27 home runs in total. Cincinnati, 14. 2021, 34 homers. This year, eight homers. I mean, he this is a dude who averages mm. 24 home runs a year. Beginning and, of the and season. He's hitting, and this is the number that that really stands out to me. He's 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 hitting 251, which this guy's a 276 career career hitter. There's the scoring position. How many homers he hits with two outs? Like the little things when you bring a guy over, you spend some money. Now I, I will say, having Bryce Harper around you puts a lot of pressure on you mm-hmm. to, to perform at the highest level. Him being left-handed, you being right-handed. Reese Hoskins has, has had some decent years with the with the Phillies. He's hit some home runs, but just seems like Nick Castellanos. You know, the people, people, especially superstars, handle pressure in different ways. I got a pair of tickets to give away to see the Jays and the Cardinals Tuesday, July twenty sixth. Uh, it's going to be a good series. It's always fun when the Cardinals, when the Cardinals come into town. We have been giving you the chance to win Jays tickets all season long here in Blair and Barker. This is whether you listen on the radio or on our podcast. So you can, you hear it, you hear the question, doesn't matter if you're listening to us live or you listen to the podcast a couple of hours later, you can send in the answer, uh, text the answer to 59590, you'll have a chance to win. Uh, Yesterday, we asked you, which Royals player holds the franchise record for most RBI in a season for a pair of tickets to see the Royals and Jays play? The answer was Mike Sweeney, 144 in 2000. That's a crap ton of That's RBIs. A ton. That's a lot of hits and a lot of real hot weather. I should have known that. That's a lot I of hits and a real hot. 144 RBI for the Royals. That's a lot of hits and a lot of really stinky yeah, hot weather. But that's weather. a dude that could use the entire field. Yeah. That's how you drive in runs. You he was use a nice entire, play. He was a entire, nice hitter, you know, man. Bogarts. You see Bogarts just shortening up. Like, use keeping the barrel in the hitting zone, not over swinging. Use the entire field. That's wa- called run producing. Watching them last night. Crazy. I'm, I'm thinking... I, I, every time I see Xander Bogarts, again, I know I come on and I say it. I just close my eyes and I'll go, Devers, Bogarts, and Story, why would you want to mess that up? Like, why would you want to mess that up? I, I, mm. I, I just, anyhow. It's hard to speak for organizations. I know, anyhow. Uh, today's question, as I mentioned, is to win, it just boggles the mind, win tickets to see might have something to yeah. do. Yeah, Jays and Cardinals at the Rogers Center Tuesday, July 26th. This is the easiest. I don't. I wouldn't even call this trivia. It's a slam dunk. This is a slam dunk. Anyhow, we'll read it. Longtime baseball commentator Tim McCarver played several seasons for the Cardinals. At which position? Again. No, I'm not even going to read, read it. Read it again. No, maybe people didn't hear it. No, I'm not reading it again. It's you so easy. It. I'm not going to read it again. Well, what if people didn't hear it? And then they're giving you the number one sign. Longtime baseball commentator Tim McCarver played several seasons for the Cardinals at which position? Being the leader, every once in a while, you got to read something you don't want to read. That is to, yeah, sometimes you got to do stuff you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. That's to win tickets to see the Jays and the Cardinals at the Rogers Center on Tuesday, July 26th. Text the answer to 590-590 for your shot to win. See rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590. Ricky Tiedemann is going to the Futures game. He's a pitcher with the Vancouver Canadians. And uh, if you're a Jays fan, I'm sure you've heard of him. If a hard, you're a hardcore Jays fan, you're probably looking at his stats, and you're probably 
checking in after every start to see what he's done. He is, well, it's, it's interesting. It, it's fitting that he's in the futures because, uh, in the futures game, because if you're the Toronto Blue Jays, he's, he's the future as far as your homegrown pitching is concerned. And Ricky Tiedemann will join us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan, wherever you get your favorite podcasts, Apple, Spotify, wherever, and Sportsnet 360. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with J.D., Blake, and English. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wow. Just got a sad text. Sad text. My son sprayed uh, sunscreen in, in his eye. Oh, that's no good. No, it's red. Oh, that, that that's no good at all. Um, I mean, I don't even know what you do. Stick it under a sink, run water through it. My guess. <sighs> um. Anyhow. Um. Yeah, that's it burns. Yeah, it does. But you sometimes, what's that saying? Sometimes you got to learn the hard way. Yeah, but he won't I'm, do I'm it not again. a big fan. Close of, your slick. I, I'm That's not what I'd have said too. I'm not a big fan of learning the hard way when it involves no. soft tissue. Uh, <laughs> when it involves soft tissue or things that burn, I, I would just assume like there are a lot of life lessons your kids can learn. I would just assume that not that well, not I'd go be out the case. Limb and say I bet he won't do it again. What's the stupidest thing you've ever sprayed in yourself? Lies a lot. Have you done no? Like everybody's done that thing where they picked up the wrong the wrong container or something, and and no. I guess you're where'd Mr. You, Perfect. Where'd you grow up? I guess you're Mr. Pick up Perfect. the wrong container and spray it on you? That's what you're going to go well, with. I mean, <laughs> really? I don't know. Well, it that, happens. Like, what kind of containers? Like, well, who you well, hanging I don't know. out with? It, it could happen. It could, it, it, it could happen. This stuff sometimes isn't labeled or put it looks that on the, the same. Put things you shouldn't have said out loud. You've never, like, put stuff on your toothbrush no instead of toothpaste or anything like that just Absolutely. accidentally? Look at my teeth. Like polysporin or something like that didn't go on accidentally instead of toothpaste? My God. What? I, I don't even know how to respond 707 to is first pitch tonight. Uh, Jose Barrios, according to mm. the lovely and talented Hazel May on Twitter, Jose Barrios. He worked we'll, on it. Working on an extra day's rest. We'll be starting. It'll be interesting to see what that does to the... I mean, if it doesn't, that'd be an excuse they can give. Uh, I hate to say that. No. Did I say that? Yeah, he doesn't. I shouldn't have said it. Yeah, because he ain't an excuse, dude. He's not an excuse. I shouldn't have said that out loud. That's wrong. I apologize. So it'll be Jose Barrios against uh, be great. an opener for the Phillies. And um, then Zach Wheeler <laughs> tomorrow night. Just tell you where you're at mechanically. Juice. Marquis Grissom used to always tell me that. Good, I said, good. well, I knew coming into the game it wasn't any good. I'm leaving. No, it ain't any good. I appreciate the both confidence there, bud. Yeah. Thanks. That's great. It's great. Yeah. Great yeah. yeah. How's those mechanics? He go, he walked by me on the plane. Uh, how's those mechanics going? Yeah, he's about to, they started the game that way. They ended the game that way. So I appreciate it. It's great when guys, it's great when guys yeah. who are all stars yeah. great impart yeah. that wisdom to the yeah. to the average man. Yeah. Yeah, can I borrow a 20? Nah, and then he rolled out a bunch of hundreds and say, I don't carry 20s. That's what he said to me. Oh, so, yeah, true. keep your opinions to yourself. <laughs> that, that's good. I got to yeah, remember that. Yeah. It'll teach you what don't you need to do speak to me again. <laughs> uh, the Futures game goes this weekend, uh, the All-Star game in Los Angeles. It is, I mean, I said this earlier in the show, and I will say it again. You can keep your home run derby. 
the and, and frankly, sometimes you can keep the all-star game. The futures game is more fun to watch than any of the other events. I find it shocking that you put this much thought into the home run derby and the actual all-star no, I, game. I, I just I love the futures game because it's because guys get it. We talked about guys, like guys get That's up. Guys get up for it, it man. It. You it's like people deal. trying. The uh, Toronto Blue Jays have a couple of uh, representatives in the game. I'm going to butcher Yosver Zuleta's name for the rest of I his career, so I apologize. Uh, but I will get Ricky Tiedemann's name right. Uh, he's a pitcher with the Vancouver Canadians. He is going to the Futures game. He uh, is the top pitching prospect in the Blue Jays organization. And Ricky, Kevin, and I really appreciate you joining us today. Congratulations on the year so far. Congratulations on the Futures game. If I asked you to close your eyes and tell me when Ricky Tiedemann's going to be pitching for the Blue Jays, I'm going to start you off with a softball question here. If I asked you to close your eyes and tell me when you're going to be pitching for the Blue Jays, what year would you give me? <laughs> um, I'd sure hope it was sooner than later. Perfect answer. <laughs> I don't know exactly a year, <laughs> but uh, I know that we have a good pitching staff in the league right now, and they're just waiting on them to, to heat up and, and hopefully – win a lot, a lot more ball games in the future. And um, I hope I can help them out. That's perfect. But I don't know exactly what year I would be in that rotation. That I is, hope it'd be sooner, though. That is a perfect <laughs> a great answer. That is a perfect political answer. Ricky, tell us a little bit of, for, for, for people who haven't seen you pitch in person. I, and you know, I've seen online a couple of starts. But tell us how you would describe yourself as a pitcher. Um, I think I'm a guy that that my pitchability is really good. Um, I think I had good pitchability coming in to getting drafted, but my velo wasn't quite there. And I think after getting drafted, I kind of physically got got stronger and and fixed some things and got my velo up a little bit. And uh, I think that's helped me out, just still being able to have pitchability, but also throwing a little harder now and. I think I do that well in games right now and got to keep going, keep doing it, be consistent. Ricky, how, how about a, a secondary pitch? I know you're a slider changeup guy. I, I think uh, from what I've read that you like your changeup, maybe the slider's a work in progress. Is is that coming along the way you, you want it to? You mentioned the velocities there. You can maintain that. Now it's about the higher levels you go. You know, the quicker you get to the big leagues, you got to start throwing the secondary pitches. How's that coming along? I think yeah, I think it's coming along good. I uh, my changeup's kind of been my bread and butter since I was younger, and I think that's my favorite pitch. Um, I also like my slider a lot, but uh, I think I can get it in the zone more. And and the more I dial that in, I think the the better I am, uh, the higher level I get to. Ricky, uh, yeah, I read something about you said that the the Blue Jays organization like to see sweep on pitcher slider. Can you explain that to right. people that don't understand what that means? Right. I think uh, I think there's phases that go on throughout the league when when uh, hitters start to get used to certain pitches coming from pitchers, and I think right now is a good uh, is a good time for a sweeper in the league. And I think the Blue Jays noticed that, and they kind of tried to install that in a lot of pitchers' arsenals, and and pitchers want to want to start throwing sweepers now and I think I already had that with me so I think it helps a lot that I've, I'm able to throw a sweeping slider and, and get outs with it so yeah they, they want to see 
a good sweeper out of a pitcher. Ricky, what uh, I mean, the Vancouver Canadians as a as a as a team as as an operation have a a really good reputation throughout the game. I know that the Jays, when when the minor leagues were being re re reshuffled, uh, the, I mean, there there was a real attempt on the part of the Jays to hang on to to the Vancouver Canadians. What is this about? What what is it about that organization that? So many guys who come out of there rave about it. And I mean, I'm even, you know, I go back guys like Aaron Sanchez and that came out of there. They loved, they loved Vancouver and they loved the organization. What is it about that team? Right. I mean, I've played for one other uh, team in, in pro ball so far in, in Dunedin, Florida. And I think just the experience is a whole different level compared to that. Um, when I came to Vancouver, um, it just felt it felt like the fans were like they they participated every game, every game is packed. It's just it's a great atmosphere to play in and kind of get you ready for the next level. So I I just love being here. Every time we go into the states, I can't wait to come back to Vancouver. Just I love the atmosphere here and all the fans always show out. So it's just a great great environment to play baseball in, and I'm blessed to be able to play for the Canadians because it's it's been a great experience so far. Now, Ricky, you're also part of that group of of prospects of minor leaguers who were impacted by COVID nineteen. I think your draft year 2020 there was was a five round draft. Can you tell us a little bit about your process? Because I know you committed to San Diego State, I believe, and then you went to Long Beach College, uh, but spring sports was canceled due to COVID nineteen. You went to Golden West College. Can you just tell us a little bit about that and how you managed to maintain your focus? You know, because what, you would have been, gosh, I don't know, 17, 18, 19, you know what you want to do, and here's this pandemic, and it's kind of throwing a wrench into a bunch of things. How did you maintain your focus? Right, I mean, uh, out of high school, I, I thought I was ready to go pro ball and compete and kind of get my foot in the door, um, but it, money-wise, I, I wasn't where I wanted to be, and I, I just thought I was ready, so I decided to decommit. Uh, so I didn't have to wait the three years going to university. So I just went to, to junior college for one year so that I can go back into the draft. And uh, fortunately, it worked out. Um, and I'm able to get my foot in the door early, still at the age of 18, because I was, I was 17 my senior year of high school. So, yeah, I was pretty young. So just still being, being young and being 18, getting drafted, I, I thought it was a good opportunity for me, and I thought I could compete. So I just took that chance, and it, it did work out. So. Were, you, were you able to maintain, you know, a regular routine, workout routine, and everything, given all that was going on? Yeah, I mean, I honestly, before getting drafted, I didn't have a a, a crazy routine or like program. Mm-hmm. I think once I got drafted by the Blue Jays, I, uh, they started to like give me a good program to go by, and 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 workouts and everything and physically got stronger from there. And it just, just put me over the top. I think this is going to be really cool. Isn't it LA? I mean, you long beach there. I imagine you'll have some family there. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of people are going to be there to watch. Uh, my, my whole family's going to be there, so it'll be fun. It's cool to, to have it in my backyard pretty much. Ricky, I, Jeff just mentioned the routines, and that was a big deal. And I was going, you know, mid-season from one area, from one 
you know, level to the other, trying to maintain that and add different routines that going up. But I want to ask you about adjustments to the pitch clock. I, I know that's a big deal. I know you're trying to do it at a at a young age, which is better than trying to, you know, have it do it one way and then five years into your career trying to change it and do it to do it a different way. What's been some challenges with the pitch clock? Right. I mean, when they first introduced it and uh, we first started having to use it, it was kind of like su- all of a sudden, you know, so mm-hmm. we, we had to kind of change the way our, our tempo was. And I definitely had to get used to it um, and just have a better tempo on the mound. And, and I know that, I know that it's going to be better for the game when it comes to time um, and enter- entertainment. So I, I kind of like it in that aspect that there's some things that you still have to get used to. Um it does put a little more pressure on you, but I think with, with more practice and experience, I don't think it'll be an issue for me in the future. I mean, I, I like it, so just got to keep working with it. Ricky, listen, we really appreciate you joining us today again. Congratulations on the Futures game. Keep it going and uh, enjoy the weekend. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fun for you and your family, and uh, I mean, I don't have to tell you, take it all in. Mm-hmm. and uh, Have fun. Have fun, and we look forward to seeing you up here soon. Thanks for this. Thanks, Ricky. Thank you, guys. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Take care. That's Ricky Tiedman. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, mm. he is <clears throat> he is something else. You've watched him pitch? I have. Well, I, I got I, it. I I've watched a ton of video with him. Uh, he, he looks like a, a coming of the, of the next Robbie Ray. That, well, the first time I saw him, uh, he, he's got really good mechanics. Uh, the, where he throws right-handed hitters is an art. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't want to say you're born with that, but you can't be real timid and your misses have to be really good in and in off the plate, but you got to be able to throw strikes into a righty to get them in swing mode. And what have we seen Robbie Ray? And now obviously mm-hmm. Robbie's made some adjustments, but it is that pounding in. If you could do it at age 19, I sky's the limit, especially being left-handed is something sort of you have to do and him being able to do it early in his career is a big deal. It's just the... What's he evolving into? That that's the question. Is I know the velocity's there. Ninety six. I don't know if that scares you because he is nineteen. He went from ninety three to from the the Golden West College to now it's more ninety five, ninety six. Six four two twenty though. I mean, jumps. it's that's... a big jump. You got to have good mechanics, which he does look like he's got smooth mechanics. Like there's a flow to it. It's not a start and stop. Yeah. Where he's trying to make up with it with anything from the ground or his hips or with his shoulder putting pressure on his elbow. It's, Looks like there's a flow to his mechanics. He mentioned the, the the pitch clock. He seemed to me like a little bit out of the stretch was more the the sort of that hurry up, you know, it's where you have to get it and go. Well, his stuff, his secondary stuff, back off a little bit with that suffer. So it's a process. It's, it's fun watching through. watching him pitch inside. It is. He's, he's got an idea. And he got a shout out, by the way, JP Crawford. Of the uh, Seattle Mariners, a little earlier this year, just uh, retweeted uh, an at bat that he saw Ricky Tiedemann having, and just you know, damn, damn boy, you filthy! And it turns out that uh, J.P. Crawford, he would know, he knows Ricky Tiedemann pretty well. He went to Lakewood High School, uh, which is where Ricky Tiedemann went to. Um, and he's a Long Beach dude. He said he's, he's saying they, they've, dude, rushed, so. they've rushed. The Blue Jays organization has rushed position players at a young age, and yep. he can tell that they don't have any depth. They don't have any quality depth. If he can maintain this and continue dominating people, it's the have a bad one. The higher levels you go, and I went through this as a player. I punched out three times. How did you handle it? Not let that carry over to a couple of games after that. He, you know, he'll have a stinker. 
How does he handle it in this next start? That, I think, where it will separate him and move him along quicker. If he can do that, not let it bother him, that'll, that'll force the Blue Jays' hand because, let's be honest, we've seen what the Blue Jays are throwing out there with their depth. So to have a guy like this, only bodes well. It's funny the question you ask him about the pitching and, and will he be here. And his answer was, I, I've been watching. They watch. Yeah, I knows. watched. Every prospect watches. Uh, yeah, he uh, and and yeah, yeah. You know, this this organization look they they got it right with Alec Manoa, um, and uh, it, it's this is a guy that you know this is a guy that that that's been on the radar been on the radar screen for a while. But it, as I said, I'm 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 just really really I'm happy for him going to the future. I hope they put me too. Game. I hope they push him and they're not afraid <laughs> to move him up. That's what I hope. Don't don't because when I played, it was you had to force their hand. You don't have to do that so much now. Yeah, so don't I'm be not, afraid to don't be afraid to to move him when it's and I'm not certain ready I, to move. I'm not certain I like the idea of pitchers forcing my hand. I don't know. I, I mean, mean it, I think there's got to be a little of that. You can't just can't give it to or hand it to them. Make them make them perform at a level, and then and then once they've showed you they can do that, then you move them up. Six six four two twenty at nineteen. That's. I'd, I'd rather Kenny Kenny come out. Good body. Uh, now we won't going to get too much into no. this, but this is why I ask about the the sweep of the slider. It's an odd word, sweep. I don't know. Sweep means sounds to me like cement mixer. Well, maybe I may be looking at that the wrong way. But if you can you can command in and it's ninety six, you can get away with that. So that'll be interesting. Watch secondaries. Oh oh, be unpredictable. Two strikes. There's a lot of things that go into development. He is 2-2 two -two with a 2.39 ERA, 0 0.92 whip, 54 strikeouts in 37 and a third mm -hmm. innings. That's in Vancouver overall, 5-3, 2.13 ERA, 0 0.87 whip, 103 Ks in 67 and two-thirds. He's, he's doing it. Innings. He is uh, definitely doing it. You know what time it is, Mr. Barker? It's time for Barker's Back Leg Bits. Mr. Gann, thank you very much for joining us. Be honest, you don't remember Kevin Barker Absolutely as a player, not. do you? It's like... 50 years ago, we played. Good morning, guys. No, I drink too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cussed a lot, too. Do you remember that? Ozzy? Oh, yeah. Man. Oh, man. He, listen. Like, it was like a language. Uh, it's, uh, it's amazing. Yeah. No, he, he. You ever had a team meeting with Ozzy? It's, uh, it's like you make, you want to go out and go to church. <laughs> Like you really do. Like I ain't lying. Yeah, I've uh, <laughs> I, I've heard uh, some dude, some man. of Ozzy. Oh, he's a great he's a great dude. Some of his post game interviews were uh, legendary, crazy uh, to say the least. Uh, we mentioned it's time for Barker's back leg bits. Um, it's your chance to ask questions of Kevin Barker. Got to throw this out. Jonathan Cruish says, in response to your question of the worst thing you've sprayed in yourself, I had a friend growing up who stared down the barrel of a Nerf gun and then shot himself in the eye with the Nerf dart. He did it on purpose or his accident? I hope Is that it, what he said? I hope it's an accident. Hey, Travis in Saskatoon, does Kevin think that there is any chance that what Aaron Judge is doing this year has any effect on Vladdy's start this year? I'm not saying... Anything about Vladdy not putting the team first or anything, but he was the one that came out saying he wants to win the Triple Crown and the MVP, and when he sees the stats that Judge is putting up, is it getting to Vladdy and changing in the way he is attacking things because he feels he needs to hit everything right now to try and catch up to Judge in the offensive hey, categories? Travis? Travis? Yeah, I'd love to say that, Travis. Yeah, it's a great question, but I, I would love to, to make that excuse for Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and I'm not going to do it. 
He's too good of a hitter. He should be the the best right-handed hitter in baseball. Everything that he does, A to B, uh, every the the amount of force that he creates from the time the front foot hits the ground till the time he makes contact, in my mind, is second to none. He should be having a best right-handed hitter season. So I'd love to make that excuse and say that is the case because if you're if you're in the same conversation as best, you should be able to overcome things that are going on around you. I just think for me, he's shown his age. I mean, I hate to say it that way, but that's what I think. CJ wants to know your opinion about hitting bullpen and pitching coaches. How important is it that these coaches actually have significant, not only experience, but success at the MLB level? That's a great, that's a, that means coaches. Yes, he's talking about the coaches. coaches. Mainly hitting, pitching, and bullpen coaches. I I think the the, the focus is in hitting and pitching coaches. Okay, a bullpen coach, to my understanding, I've never really been in a bullpen to to listen to this, but the conversations I've had with pitchers, they're basically telling you who you're about to face and their weakness. It's basically location and and don't abuse whatever. If you can't hit this, let's try and attack this. It's almost an administrative position at times. Yeah, it's not overthinking. It's a marathon, not a sprint, you know. Choose your words wisely. Yeah. Now, I'm sure that conversation's gotten a little bit more uh, than it was when I played. But uh, do you need hitting and pitching coaches to be successful? You, I mean, you you tell me, you got the perfect example. Rod Carew might be one of the best, one of the best hitters. To ever walk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was my one of my favorite players me, growing didn't, up. Didn't relate to me. Yeah. Again, if you, you act as 10 different hitters that's been around Rod, you, you'd get – Ten different answers. And I would say seven of those are probably good answers. Yeah. Mine just didn't. I wasn't a leg kick hit it over the third baseman's head. My, I didn't know how to do that. There's a lot of change there. There's a lot of pressure on me to succeed. That probably wasn't warranted. Again, I take full credit. Does a pitching coach need I I again I this, I mean I'm looking this at gets the guys. back to salesmen and 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 yeah. and, and uh, the guy, the manager of the Phillies just came on and answered your question. Yeah. The very first thing you need is talent. If you no, ain't got a, talent, how do you teach it to the to the? Yeah, I mean, the, to ask the hitting coaches and the 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 pitching coach of the Blue Jays to to do what they're asked to do with the players that they're asked to do it with. Now let's be realistic. But I, no, but here. I guess, but I guess the, the the point that CJ was making is: does it help if the pitching or hitting coach have had some experience and success? I, at I the will. Majors? I will say this: I I, th- I think. Having the the Bichette family, and having Dante have success at the level that would he would give him a little bit more cred to walk up to a guy and say make a big change, and you go, but I made it to the big leagues this way, but he had lots of homers, <laughs> so yeah. you can sell it this way. Yeah. I would think it would be an easier sell at first, so that may that may give you a little bit shoe in at least to start the conversation. But again, it gets back to you know you got to be your own teacher. Like mm-hmm. you, the, the 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 teaching at the big league level. This is what I said. This is why they have the minor leagues. Is you supposed to go through failure at the minor leagues so you know how to fix it yourself? And then the manager, then the hitting coach and the pitching coach knows what it looked like when it was really good to give you a little word or a little keep the front side in, Jose Barrios. To keep the direction right. It's just a little word because you're a big leaguer. You're not a minor leaguer anymore. See, so I think there's a fine line there. Yeah. No, it, it's a great question, a great though. And it's something, you know, it's something, something that fans always ask. And you know that there's a thought process there that, well, of course, this guy's not going to be a good manager because he wasn't much of a player. 
doesn't always work out that way. Just and I'm doesn't. still in the camp. Blame the player first. Yep. Uh, that is it for us. We'll be doing Blue Jays talk tonight, immediately following the Blue Jays game against the Philadelphia Phillies. We'll be back here from 10 to noon Eastern tomorrow. Have yourself a great afternoon.